Welcome to the Monday Morning Tears Cast, the first, best, and only podcast about the goings-on of the Monday Morning Tears Fantasy Football League. As always, I am your host, uh, Manager of Vice President Kamara Harris. This is Daniel Kite hanging out with you today, uh, here after uh, a one-week absence to recap the action of Week 10 and look ahead to Week 11. Uh, before we get into the meat of the podcast, let's just quickly recap some of the matchups that went down last week. We had Show Me the Mooney uh, getting to 500, taking down the Agent of Chaos, 92-69, to 69, the nicest score. We had the second-worst drafted team taking down former Electric King, uh, Obi John Kenobi. It was a real cakewalk here, 130-78, uh, to 78, uh, and that was actually pretty indicative of the week as a whole. A lot of blowouts uh, during this week's matchups. Uh, the biggest blowout, I believe, it was, or close to it, at least with the biggest point score, we had Fields of Wet Dreams absolutely annihilating D-Hop Psy, 146-75. to We had also Anal Beer and Kittles. Uh, shout out to uh, Chris for a little bit of Anal Beer and Kittles. Uh, we had Anal Beer and Kittles knocking out Spitting Llamas, 95-61. to Tony's team took down DeAndre the Giant, who has got the uh, the heel curse on right now, 127 to 92. And then wrapping up, myself was able to uh, make Kimbert my son in this one. Really just owned him badly, 105 to 43. Uh, but I'm not going to get too high on my horse because, frankly, you know, I thought I was doing well with 105 points this week with both of my starting running backs injured. Um, but on the pod this week, we have the person who probably feels the best about their matchup from the past week. Uh, and we're going to get into that a little bit later in the podcast. But joining us this week solo for the first time this season, we have Fields of Wet Dreams manager, uh, Daniel D. Carvalho. Danny, how are we doing today? Doing, doing pretty great. I uh, feel good after last week. I am... Uh... You know, I, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a change-up of, of tune in this podcast without the Mikey's ridiculousness on it, but, you know, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I know. It, it's nice to have someone that, you know, will just, like, have the conversation with me and not feel like they need to assert themselves, who I feel like is always trying to, like, <laughs> usurp my role. Uh, so, I, I mean, I appreciate that dynamic leveling out a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any intention of, of taking over your role. So, yeah, I, I, I got to imagine that's hard with a baby. I mean, I don't know how anyone yeah. would do a podcast with children. Like, that just seems like, I don't, like, you know, big shout outs to all the people that come on the podcast that have children, but like, even like running one with children, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I'll have to get a sound bite with him in it at some point. Maybe he'll come on next year and you can start talking. Boost me up. If, 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 uh, Miles' first words aren't sleeper or Mikey sucks, <laughs> I'm going to be pretty upset. <laughs> I just hope it's not butt hurt because yeah. you, don't want any, you don't want any of that. He's just going to, he's not even going to call you Dada. He's just going to look <laughs> at you and say butt hurt bull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Uh, well, speaking of maybe, I mean, I don't think you have much reason to be butt hurt after this week and after the power ranking. So the, uh, the accurate and unassailable power rankings came out this uh, past night uh, where we had uh, Paul still sitting pretty on top. And really, the bottom three still about the same. Uh, Danny, was there anything you saw in the power rankings this week that perhaps uh, you know caused some consternation, or were you more or less on board with what you saw? You know, I, I think I, I pretty much agree with it. Um, that's probably how I would have put it too. Um, I know that's not great, great, you know, podcast fodder, but <laughs> um, 
It was pretty. I, I thought the biggest mover, obviously, was uh, uh, John, who who's really falling. And um, you know, I did call his team a pretender, and you know, he has gone but down since then. So I'd like to think I I called that well. But he also did lose Henry again, so you know, that was it was kind of bound to happen at this point. But I mean, other than that, you know, I, I think I think you have it pretty good. I think like we spoke on the podcast. Uh, Paul and, and Taras, I think, have one and two. And then, you know, I feel like after that, it's, like, you know, pretty close. Um, yeah. The team that shocked me that I moved up that high, like, I again, I feel like I perennially sleep on Tony's team. Uh, but th- I was kind of surprised when I kind of was organizing things and thinking, like, yeah, Tony's kind of probably number four right now, especially with uh, Christian McCaffrey coming back. I mean... If if he's able to stay healthy, it's it's huge, obviously. Uh, and and now Tony's sitting at six and four with a a healthy squad starting to come back. And, you know, I had a hard time kind of looking at that squad and being like, you know, I, I I couldn't put him below you or Steve at this point just because of like just racking up the victories. No, and that's fair. And I think our qualifier for his team as a potential contender was health, and that it's all starting to come together for him. Uh, with McCaffrey back, so it uh, looks like uh, Sanders should come back soon too, uh, just as uh, Daryl Williams kind of moves back to backup role, potentially even. Maybe we'll keep a, some sort of role in KC when DH comes back. We don't really know yet, but uh, yeah, I think his team is, is looking decent. And, and maybe Gibson, you know, took some time to get healthy over the bye. He had a pretty decent week, you know, not very efficient, but two touchdowns, can't complain about that, so... That's yeah, what I was going to ask you about. Like, so the, the question that I asked this week would that would it be worthwhile for Tony to try and perhaps sell high on Gibson and try and recoup something in the passing game? Because especially now, if if Goddard is going to miss some time with that concussion, which seemed pretty gnarly, and it looks like the the Stafford Cup connection is you know starting to slow down a bit. Beyond that, the the receiving core in that team is looking a little bit dicey. Now, I I know we've kind of talked about the importance of running backs in the league, but with, you know, this being the final week for trades, do you think it's something for Tony to consider, like maybe trying to sell high and see if he can rack up maybe like a top 15, top 20 wide receiver if, uh, you know, Gibson is made available? The the way I see it is, like, Gibson's value, I I think people see through that week too, right? Like, they're pretty aware of, of Gibson's struggles this year. So I, I don't think he'll get good value if he sells Gibson. Um, and, and this is kind of what the, the dilemma that people have had with trades in general. Like, and I know Chris had this. He, he had, for example, he had Kelsey and uh, Schultz, right? Schultz was decent at that time, but no one was going to give him what he thought he was worth. So he had to sell the guy that had entrenched value in Kelsey. And I think that's a problem with Gibson. People don't think he's going to return value so he's not going to get as much as if like Gibson stays on his team and, and you know comes back and, and does well. So uh, I think his best bet of contending is, is holding Gibson and and kind of just praying that he kind of you know comes back to health and, and emerges and what he, we think he could be. Um, because I just don't know if he, it's worth it for him. He'll I think he'll get like a WR two. I don't think he's going to get anything more than that. Um, yeah, my my gut. I think leans that as well, uh, especially if like, you know, Tim Patrick, T Higgins, like, you know, those are guys that could possibly return some wide receiver to value and hell, you know, I mean, the, the, the jets are back. Joe Flacco is going to be tossing it to Elijah Moore and, uh, 
know, who has, I think, kind of quietly been putting up, like, the past four weeks have been really good for Elijah Moore. Uh, so that could end up being, like, a sneaky little value kind of coming up. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got to say, I, I empathize with Tony because I feel like I've been in that position with pretty much my entire team uh, that he is in with Antonio Gibson right now. I feel like the entire year I've had players where the potential for them has always been higher, but frankly, uh, they haven't actually reached that. And they, and because of that, I, I haven't really been able to sell high. And the only one time I did when I thought I was selling high, it turns out I was selling incredibly, incredibly low. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. It's been a, it's been a funky year, uh, at least on my team. I, I, I can't think of many more years I've had that have felt like this in general, but I think you're probably right there on uh, Gibson. Yeah, I, I was, what was I going to say? Yeah, with Elijah Moore, um, I was going to say, uh, Joe Flacco threw three passes last game, and one of them was a touchdown to Moore. So, you know, if you extrapolate that over a full game, I think he's going to get like 10 touchdowns next game. So That sounds feel, about right. He's, he's got to feel pretty good about that. I, I may need to break out my calculator, but I think the math <laughs> checks out on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, then, I mean, speaking of scoring a ton of touchdowns, let's talk about your week last week. Uh, man, 146 points, just really just sunning Nick's team there. God, that must have felt good to uh, be checking your phone on uh, Monday. You know, I guess I was going to say Mon- uh, Sunday morning, but uh, for y'all, I guess it's Monday afternoon. Yeah, I, I the past two weeks, I think, combined, like before this, this 145, I, I think we're less than the 145. I think I put up two 70-point weeks, so... It's kind of like, it's what I hoped my team could do, but just wasn't happening. And that, and that's why I think Nick in the chat said, you know, you have an easy win this week. And I was like, I'm not taking anything as easy right now. I mean, I could put up 70 the last two weeks. So it was really encouraging to see my team, you know, show up, um, especially KC, which, you know, it's got me a little bit less stressed. I'm hoping they kind of worked out their issues. And I'm just really happy uh, Carter seems to be, you know, the main guy there and is getting a lot of work. So that was, you know, my biggest concern was ERB too. So if he kind of shows up, I feel feel pretty good. Now I gotta say I'm curious because I I know we've chatted on and off throughout the year about Javante Williams and your confidence that Javante Williams was going to be like a lead back next year and a guy that we need to hold on to, someone who could have value late in the year. Is is your faith in Javante starting to waver a little bit, or are you still seeing encouraging things that uh, make you have faith in him? No, I think the the underlying numbers have him still like on a per touch basis doing very very well. Like he he's very efficient. He's breaking a ton of tackles. He only had eight carries last game and got forty eight yards. Right, he, he's just not getting a lot of work right now, and and partly because the work is basically split fifty fifty. So the 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 dream and the the hope is that they don't you know re-sign Gordon, which I think is pretty unlikely, especially because Gordon's playing well. I, I think he's playing himself out of Denver which is great, actually, for me yeah. next year. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I think Javante will, will have the main race. So I, I'm not – I lost kind of faith on him this year right now unless, you know, there's an injury to Gordon. I, I don't see Javante kind of taking over just, you know, just because of Gordon's playing well. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of – it's all next year for him, I think. I, I was thinking, too, also, I was pretty butthurt. I mean, the, granted, the, the Cowboys blowout really did help me because it allowed uh, Tony Pollard to sneak in there and put up a solid 12 points for me. 
But it also put Zeke one spot ahead of Alvin Kamara right now on the season point ranking. (laughs) I'm getting a little bit nervous that Kamara's knee and that all that stuff is going to to skew things in your favor here. And I'm not very happy about that. Yeah, we didn't really put an injury qualifier in our bet, and we normally don't. Uh, I, I think there's real. There'd be like a gentleman's agreement if he was out for the year. Uh, I think if, if it's like a one game thing, I think probably let it slide because Zeke, you know, could miss a game here too. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to celebrate an injury, but that really helps because <laughs> Kamara got a decent, decent lead up there, and then yeah, him missing really helped me. So. We'll see. I don't know. I, and I think Tony Jones is back. Not that he takes much roles, much of like he'll carries from Kamara, but a yeah. little bit more more work to to go around. So yeah, and I I think that's probably going to be the case moving forward. Not so much with Tony Jones, but just with Mark Ingram around. Like I think we're probably looking back to like you know 2018 2019 Saints which isn't inherently a bad thing because both those backs were really productive in those years uh and frankly might be better for Kamara because it just means that you know he'll be a little bit fresher moving down the stretch uh so I I have some hopes about that I guess the only downside is that there's no one to pass to uh so it kind of allows them to stack the box a little bit but yeah and I really wonder how long they're gonna keep going with Simeon um I, I don't know if, if he's the answer over Hill. So, you know, yeah, I know Simeon's probably better for Kamara. So you kind of got to hope he's in there, I think. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that Mark Ingram even had like four or five catches last week, I was like, oh, that's good. He's throwing to, he'll, he'll throw to the running backs because Taysom Hill won't. Yeah, um, yeah so exactly. that made me happy to see. Uh, especially with the the, the Eagles coming up. Uh, I know that we're facing each other this week. That that makes me very encouraged because the Eagles are a bit of Swiss cheese when it comes to the running game. So I'm, I'm really hopeful on that front. Uh, but before we look ahead a little bit too much, um, let's think about some other teams this week that, uh, you know, had some interesting matchups. Uh, was there uh, another, was there a development on a team or with a uh, player, like one of the managers here? Anything that you saw this week that maybe stood out as notable or something that, you know, the league should be aware of? I mean, the big outlier is 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 who you played, which is Kimbo. He he had a completely you know horrible dog shit week, forty two points, lowest of the season so far, I think. Uh, and and to me, what it's looking like is is Mike Williams and DJ Moore have both been you know have fallen off a hard from their early season, um, who I think were carrying him a lot, so. That's really trouble for for Kimbo. I know we kind of labeled him as an outside uh, kind of pretender on the borderline. So, you know, it wasn't not really that much of a difference, I guess, for his team. But it, it's just it's just not looking good. And uh, I was telling you pre-show that uh, I, I was looking at some some stats into uh, the worst weeks in league history, and this is going back to when we originally first started. So. I, n- not many of you probably remember this. I don't think even everyone was in this league, especially uh, and Chris was part of it. I'm not sure. But uh, we started Yahoo in 2013. So I have stats that go all the way back uh, eight years. And I don't know if you remember, uh, this is when you were in China Kite and you had your friend Joshua on it uh, in okay. the league. His team was so bad. His season average on a weekly basis was 47 points. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
His single, this this record will never be broken, and it's probably because we were really lax and not enforcing like lineup setting at this time because we had just really started. But yeah. his single week least amount of points was nine point six. That's impressive. Yeah, that's it's never going to be broken. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, it's less impressive because, like, again, like you said, that's probably a guy who's like not setting his lineup, and there's guys on by or guys that are injured. I mean, just the confluence of all that to end up with nine point six points is still pretty impressive. But I, I mean, to me, it's not as impressive as trying your best in a half point PPR league and only putting up forty three points or forty. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, I know, and it's kind of unfortunate. And, actually, and, and the, funnily enough, quick fact check on that: like, it was the lowest score in the week or in the season so far, but actually only by about half a point because two weeks ago uh, against Kimber himself, Mikey put up forty three point two eight points. Uh, so I guess it's not as big an outlier as we thought it was because Mikey <laughs> had forty three points there. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that the funniest part about this week, I think for me, was uh, was Mikey as well, where he mentioned that his bench put up more than his starters, and uh, and that's kind of notable if you if you see the weekly recaps and you see like potential points and like graph the bar graph thing, and his, he actually did relatively well if you considered his bench, but um, you know it just didn't work out for him, I guess. I think what we're really saying here is that Mikey is a dog shit manager of fantasy football teams, and uh, his championship last year is completely asterisk based, and frankly, didn't really happen. That's that's my main takeaway from all this. You know, I I have heard that uh, there's been no engravings in the trophy, so if it didn't start engraved, it didn't happen. And I'm considering that for all of these championships. I've got people that are recounting points down in Arizona. They're recounting <laughs> the points down in Georgia. I'm I'm demanding. I think Mikey stole stole the playoffs last year, and I think that uh, it's abominable what he's done to this league. Yeah, it's frankly a disgrace. <laughs> it's a real disgrace. Uh, I, I also like just just to pile on the misery here. Like it, it was kind of funny. Like I feel like all the teams that basically we thought would do well after our kind of contenders and pretenders podcast all came out and did pretty well. Like, you know, I I had a good matchup this week. Tony came out strong. Taras, even though he didn't put up a huge point total, still came out decently. You, obviously. Paul, still looking strong. Andre, even, you know, I was the only outlier on Andre, and he still came out with a win over the age and a chaos. It, You know what? It's almost like we know what we're talking about. It feels <laughs> good to kind of, like, be right a little bit. I will say that the one outlier is Steve, um, who... Yeah. And, and can I just speak to, to, I don't know what you have coming up, but I just want to speak to like the league in general about um, these standings. So I, I was just having a look. And my, me- my measure for having a very unlucky season is when your points against are higher than the highest points scored. Because that just means, you know, that, if you face the highest scoring manager every week, it's still better than what you've basically faced, right? There's two people in our league that have had that this year, more points against and the highest points for, and that's Steve and Nick, who I think that I would, you probably could have guessed that if I told you, like, Steve and Nick have both been pretty unlucky relative to their performance. So it, it's just, it's been horrible for those guys, and, and I have no sympathy for Steve because he's 
you know, made up pretty good in some trades that, you know, were very controversial at the time, I guess. So, you know. See, it's funny, though, because, like, by the same token, like, we might consider that a lack of luck. But it's not as if, like, their points for totals are really blowing folks away or anything like that. You know, Nick hasn't uh, surpassed 1,000 yet. Uh, Steve is, is just narrowly over it. And, and so it's, yeah, I, I hear you. Definitely they've they've come up against players that have had strong weeks. But again, I go back to remembering, like, those first four weeks where I think, you know, if you put together the margin of victories for, like, three or four of Steve's wins, it added up to something like six or seven points. So, I mean, I, I guess that speaks to how strong the opposition has been all year long. And I, I you know what, I'm kind of on, I'm in favor of that. You know, he's he's the newbie in the league. We we can't give him an easy <laughs> road. No, exactly. I think, I think uh, you remember that, I, I sent this over to the group. I don't know if they still check it, but there's this like sleeper companion app and it has that built-in power rankings. And what yeah. it shows is, is your theoretical record. So if you were to play every team every week, and what your record would be. So at this point, there's you know over 100, 110 games. Steve's record is sixty two and forty eight, but his actual record is four and six. So you know that he's been relatively unlucky, and I think so has Nick. There's been some benefactors of that, uh, and I think uh, you know Taras has been his theory, His actual win rate is only fifty nine percent, but he has a seventy percent win rate. So there, you know, it doesn't really mean much at the end of the day. A win's a win. So. But I, it's just funny to look at the stats sometimes, see how it shakes out. It feels a bit like Steve is like this year's Toronto Blue Jays team. Like like stacked with talent, huge firepower, and like and then when you would look at like the record, it would be like Blue Jays plus two hundred run differential, only <laughs> up three three games over five hundred. And it's like, what does that even mean? How does that happen? Yeah. That, yeah. That, that to me feels like an apt analogy here. And again, if we think about how the Blue Jays season ended, uh, maybe not a great sign for uh, Steve moving forward. That's right. Yeah, he could totally miss the playoffs. I mean, I, I, we were ta- I was talking to Steve earlier today. Uh, he obviously is four and six. So he's on the borderline. And he plays in, in the last four games, he plays both you and Taras once each, which is not great for him because, you know, that, let, let's just say he loses those two. And he pays Mikey and Nick the last two. So he, going two and two, you know, he still have a losing record by two, two wins. So it, it's pretty rough. He has to at least win all those, at least three games, I think. Maybe two if, if his points for are high and, and that shakes out well. But Yeah, and, and I think that Nick game is going to be sneaky difficult because that's going to be a probably pretty healthy uh team that nick has and when that team is healthy like we talked about a couple weeks ago like it's dangerous as hell uh so that's that's not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination i don't think yeah exactly but i but i think like you said in the chat it, you know if steve does sneak in in the eighth spot um that's gonna suck for whoever's first like if it's paul that, that would that would be rough that's not a gift at all paul and steve just going head to head in the first round just would feel like such a gift it would just I would love feel it. so wonderful yeah, I'd be great for everyone else in the playoffs. Does, 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 should Paul start tanking? Is that the move? <laughs> like, just don't finish in first place? That's actually not a bad idea. Um, you know, don't do it intentionally. Just like, you know, I don't know. Just do, a, do it in a Paul way. Try out the prospects. I want to see if, like, uh, I don't even know who's honestly, you know, Julio Jones might be healthy this week. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You never know. Play the matchups. 
Fair enough. Uh, you know, let's talk more about like individual players in the NFL then. I mean, the one that I'm most intrigued by, especially with the trade deadline coming up, um, I'm curious about AJ Dillon because right. he's sitting on Chris's team right now. You know, obviously starting, and this could be a really interesting place for uh, Chris to make some movement here because AJ Dillon. You know, depending on the severity of Aaron Jones's injury. Dylan could be an RB1 for the next three to four weeks. Uh, And, you know, that could mean, one, either Chris's team could start to go on a run here and start to, you know, be one of the guys that might knock Steve out of the playoffs. Or Chris could say, this is my most valuable trade ship in the league. Let's see who I can extract for him. Uh, if, If you were in Chris's shoes, what do you think you would do? I mean, it seems like Chris already committed to next year at this point, right? So, uh, based on some of the trades he's made. So, I would have to have a look at who he thinks he's going to keep. Uh, and if he wants to improve on that, look on improving on that. But the only way you trade Dylan right now is if you get a keeper for next year that's really good. Because I, I think so there's an outside chance Chris makes the playoffs if he, you know, things are starting to come together with him with Edmonds out and Jones out, right? And potentially even Elijah Mitchell missing a game, maybe. I know they're saying he might play, but I, I don't know about that. Jeff Wilson in there. So that said, like, does he really want to make the playoffs if he doesn't think he's going to win? You know, so yeah, it's kind of hard. But like I said, I, I think it only makes sense if if he gets a really good keeper out of it. And and I'm just not sure that there's that many guys uh, that are selling their, their potential keepers for next year right now. Yeah, fair enough. I hear that. And I've been having this thought recently where I've, I've kind of been looking through rosters and squads and stuff. And if I'm being honest, outside of like, I don't really know if I identify any really strong keepers in a lot of teams this year. Like, I guess kind of like, you know, he Chris made the big swing for Marquise Brown, which I still think is kind of ridiculous. Um, but, like, Marquise Brown will likely be a pretty valuable keeper moving forward. Jamar Chase will obviously be a very valuable keeper moving forward, uh, I say, as a bit of my soul dies and escapes my <laughs> body. Um, but, like, I don't know. Can, can you think of anyone beyond that? I know you love Javante Williams still. Um, but, but beyond that, are there any, like, who do you think would be, like, the top keepers uh, when we start moving into next season? So I was thinking about this the other day. I was talking to Andre about it. So there's not many running backs that I think would be – there's not many running backs that broke out in the later rounds. I think, I think the last – the only few that I can think of would be uh, Carter, who's outperforming his 10th round ADP, uh, and Fournette, who I think was drafted in the 9th. But I guess know, I'm risk- thinking about it too. Like Elijah Mitchell, the free agent, would be like, a, yeah. what, like an 8th round value. So that and would Mitchell, probably be pretty right. good. Mitchell, too. I, I was talking to Andre. I do think there's some risk with him because, I don't know, the 49ers' backfield seems to always be in flux. But, I mean, I still think it's worth it to keep him. He most it, baby. He most next year. I actually think uh, Paul has two of the best wide receiver keepers. Um, one of them you mentioned was Jamar Chase and Debo. Debo was drafted pretty late, too, um, if I recall. I mean, Double check when he was drafted. Yeah, he was Debo. I think was either seventh eighth or round. Eighth round, yeah. Right. So, hundred percent, you keep him in the seventh, right? For what he's, he's performing as a WR one. So he can he can 
keep two WR1s for like, you know, later round picks, which I think is pretty solid, and then focus on running back in the, in the beginning round. So, um, like I think like the ideal roster construction as it is, right? Like, you know, I think we talked at the beginning of the year about roster construction, like being able to spend a couple of those later picks on wide receivers who might be wide receiver ones just opens you up so much to just accumulate running back depth, you know, maybe swing for one of the top tight ends. Uh, you know, uh, that's, oh, God, I, I am kind of, uh, <laughs> fucking, just fucking hate everything. I'm so fucking mad. Yeah, I, you know what? This whole thing with keepers, like, I, I think it's great so far, but I really did not anticipate this whole trading thing, like, especially as early as it happened, trading four keepers and thinking about next year. Um I probably should have thought about it, but it, it seems to play a bigger role in trades and, you know, player valuation than I was originally thinking. It's like a huge difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, Christ, DeAndre Swift got traded for fucking Marquise Brown. Like, of course, there's a, like, the, yeah, like, there's a big difference in valuation, it seems like. Yeah, like, and, you like, would never, that trade would never have happened. That doesn't surprise me, like, with some folks. Like, I, I just think of Andre, who has famously always been, like, the biggest prospect porn nerd I've ever seen in my entire life. So it doesn't <laughs> surprise me in the slightest that Andre would want to try and, like, find the best keepers and really hold on to them. But, like, I don't know. I've never I've never really subscribed to that. You, I think, you know, I, I think I've made myself clear before where I'm like, flags fly forever. I want the best team fucking possible. You know, I, I trust myself in the drafts next year to make it happen. Uh, which, again, which is why I felt comfortable giving up Chase, who I thought was going to basically finish the year as maybe in a WR2, not as a right. fucking top half WR1. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. I, I do think, though, that, that, you know, having a solid keeper is like puts you a step ahead. It doesn't it won't guarantee, you know, playoffs or anything, but I think it gives you a little bit of an advantage, like the guaranteed value where, you know, you get value. You drafted Chase, right? You obviously can get value in those rounds but if you can guarantee that value it's you know it, it's got to give you a little bit of an advantage yeah that's fair and i like i, I think maybe i'm just mainly butthurt because i don't really see anyone on my team who i want to keep really frankly like as i look at my team the only guys i am really contemplating are probably rashad bateman and maybe damian harris um and bateman only yeah. because you know that's 12th round value and if he turns out to be you know a top 36, top 40 wide receiver, that's still value in the 12th round. Uh, yeah. But, like, I don't really feel super strongly about anyone beyond that. And that just, you know, I think I'm I'm probably just sad that I don't get to, like, be part of the party, really. Yeah, fair. I mean, I, I feel like you should maybe have an episode later, maybe after trade deadline, about, you know, talking to everyone's keepers and, and evaluating that. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're a little short on those right now. You know, make some trades. You never know. That sounds like a like a maybe like a a post playoff one, maybe because I mean that that that's a, I think that'll be a fun thing to examine and interrogate. Like once the uh, the dust has settled from the fantasy championships, we're turning this into a year round podcast, baby. We're going we're we going go. global. Weekly, weekly, baby. No, no missed episodes. <laughs> I did just mention to my, my Russian friends that still live out in Kazan that I did the podcast. So I think we have some more international listens coming up, hopefully. Shout oh. out to Sergey and Dasha. I was trying to I was going to say hi in Russian, but I have no idea. I'm not that quick of a Google, so. <laughs> yeah, I was never going to pronounce that, even if I found it. Or, or the more simple, Privyet. 
Oh, okay, Privyat. I feel like you've heard that one before. I have heard that one, yeah. There we go. Russian 101 on the morning, Monday morning tears cast. We, 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 we're, we're a little education for everyone here. As if um, we didn't need CSIS looking more into this podcast. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Shout out to CSIS. We need to always do it. Shout out to CSIS. Um, yeah. Yeah, nothing really hot this week on the waiver wire, honestly. You know, we saw Steve pick up Wayne Gallman for 29 bucks, who I imagine is just mainly Corderell Patterson insurance. Uh, you know, someone who we're not sure is going to go into the week. I will say I'm pretty upset that you were able to, uh, you, you paid up for the Carolina Panthers D, which I was a little bit upset about. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think I'll survive. Uh, so maybe instead of talking about waivers this week, uh, let's, let's just talk about our matchup because you know what? Fuck it. We're the ones on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> All right. Projections have you pretty strong in this matchup. Um, how are you feeling about this week? Are you feeling confident? Are you feeling a little wary? What are you thinking? No, I'm not feeling confident at all. I think it's pretty close. Uh, the only reason your projections are not high is because you have Stevenson in there. I just I don't know what you're going to plan to do and who you're going to play between him and Harris. I mean, it, it depends on you know Harris's availability. Obviously, like if Harris isn't in the starting lineup, then Stevenson in a heartbeat. But yeah, I'm I'm really not sure even if he you know does suit up. It it is kind of a a, a difficult decision. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of hoping Harris is obviously healthy, and then and then you know yeah, the guy you start. Yeah, exactly. They they split work, but um, yeah, there's no way I can be super confident. And you know, I, you, just because I put up one 140 week, like it doesn't take out the fact that I put up two 70 point weeks in a row. So I'm not confident yet until I get you know string together a few good weeks. I got to imagine you're probably going to have all eyes on that. Dallas and KC match. Yes. That's basically your entire week right there. That is my week, which is an amazing game, I think, because they're both two really good offenses. I think, I think it, I hopefully it shoots out. I wonder what the over under is for the game. It's got to be over 55, I would guess. Yeah, 9 6 final. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> yeah. Classic uh, Seattle Green Bay game last week. That would, that, that would, that would take me. There's, I would not recover from that. I will never financially recover from this. I was sitting in a brown social house right before the Hassan Minhaj show, uh, and they had the Green Bay Seattle game on the big screen there, and I was just savoring my mediocre IPA watching that <laughs> big goose egg next to the Seattle Seahawks uh, team. It was it was very gratifying and put me in a really good headspace to enjoy an amazing comedy show. What I I actually was sad because I mean, one uh, fuck the Packers. Uh, Number two, uh, fuck Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, I don't want to see any success. I don't care who they're playing. So kind of got upset by that a little bit. But Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I, I don't ever want to, like, feel positively about Aaron Rodgers ever again. But uh, you know what? I, I'll take it at the expense of uh, Kimbert and a historically horrible week. Um, so, so that's always a yeah. positive there. But, but to, to our matchup, I, I think uh, you seem to have a lot of really good matchups. So uh, for your players who... You know, to have obviously blow up potential, especially if Kamara's back. So, yeah, I don't know. I, my, my big question mark for me is is whether I'm going to play Antonio Brown or, or throw in Emmanuel Sanders. It depends on Brown's health, but um, I think Sanders could have a good game too with against the Indian matchup. So right. maybe neutralize your Josh Allen a little bit. I was I was heartened to see that our boy Jake Seeley uh, in his weekly columns mentioned his two like wide receiver. Uh, I did notice that where, where Brandon Cooks and Rashad Bateman and I, I, I felt did notice that. About that. Yeah, that, and that, that's just because they, he would never 
put Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb in there. So No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- those ones, I-, I think those are great matchups for you. I-, I think there's a really good chance of those guys blowing up. And if, if those guys blow up... Um, and the rest yeah, are decent, I think will be... Trouble uh, for it, me. It could be over-under... Two catches for TJ Hawkinson this week. I'm not sure <laughs> I can take the over. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't either. That, that's uh, two and a half. Yeah, that's that's kind of sketch. I don't know. He's the biggest disappointment for you, I think. What the? F- why? How does Detroit consistently pick the dumbest fucking people to run their team? I I don't fucking get it. It doesn't. How do you look at TJ Hawkinson, who is frankly, oh, even over Swift, probably their best offensive weapon. And not throw the ball to him more than once. Like, I get that, like, Jared Goff is the quarterback. But at a certain point, that's coaching. That's someone, uh, like, you got to scheme for TJ Hawkins. He's your best player. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is coaching. I think good coaching um, can overcome, like, good coverage if they you can scheme guys open, like you said. But, you know, average coaching or bad coaching like the Lions have, there's no way. And I think he, he's running into like the Kyle Pitts treatment too. You know, the only really good receiver on that team, there's no way that like, he's going to get double covered, right? Like he's, he's never open, quote unquote, because he's always double covered. So it, it sucks. And that's the same thing you're running into Kamara, right? Like you don't want to be the only guy, good guy on an offense because that really fucks you up. Yeah. And but like, again, I, my problem still with Hawkinson is like, I get that he's being covered, but he's a he's a linebacker. He's getting he's getting covered by linebackers. Like he's not getting covered by like defensive backs and shit like this. Like there should be a window there. And God fucking damn it, the Lions just consistently disappoint me. The city of Detroit just consistently disappoints me. <laughs> Except you know, shout out to my boy Tim Robertson. Uh, love me some Tim Robinson. He's the only good thing to come out of Detroit in uh, years. Uh, but God damn. Yeah, Eminem's from Detroit. He's decent. I just what said that? What was that? Eminem. Eminem's from Detroit. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how greatest white rapper of all time. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty clear. I mean, I, no, there's no way he's the greatest rapper. He's the greatest white rapper. You know, I, I could go deep into the weeds on that, but you're probably right. Uh, um, uh, yeah. I just remember Eight Mile being like watching Eight Mile in uh, in theaters. I think I actually went with Nick and Paul. We went with our hockey team once, and we were like really young. And right. that that was not uh, a movie that was suitable for kids. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I remember of uh, I, I remember a semi graphic uh, sex scene with Brittany Murphy. Oh yeah. Rest in peace. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do but, enjoy. Uh... I do enjoy the, the, the debate that has come out about the song Lose Yourself, though, about whether it's Eminem singing that song or about whether it's his character in the film singing that song. Because in the song, he references Mackay Pfeiffer, but then also at the same time, he's, like, in character as, like, Rabbit. Right. So it's, it's very confusing, like, how he's kind of... Like, does, is Rabbit aware that he's in a movie? Like, it's, I think there's, like, a really interesting debate to uh, explore there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. So uh, there's a lot of layers to this. <laughs> there's I don't know. so many. You know, I, I have a distinct memory of being in a grade 11 English class. And I feel, you know, I, I had an English teacher that 
it like the cool English teacher thing where for poetry, instead of doing like, you know, Wordsworth or some shit, she brought in, I think, Lose Yourself by Eminem. And I'm now <laughs> a little bit disappointed that we didn't explore this metatextual reference to Mackay Pfeiffer. I think that would have like blown <laughs> minds in grade 11. You should find out her email and, and, and send her a complaint. Evelyn Cam, I'm shouting you out. You missed, you missed the mark here. Jesus, help shout, us out. Shout out to Evelyn Cam. Great teacher. Very good. Um, before we take off, Danny, any uh, parting shots you want to get? I mean, oh, you're, you're up against me this week. Is there any, you know, you can talk some shit to me. You can talk some shit to any other uh, league managers here. Uh, the floor is yours. You know, I, I felt like I laid it on on uh, John last week. I don't know if he, I know he's been pretty pretty tied up recently, so I, I don't think he got the chance to to take it in. So you know, I'll give him a break this time. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm gonna I, I you know I'm gonna be a little boring and I'm gonna play it safe and and not kind of throw any shade. But I'd like to hear what you have to say because you don't really get an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I know. I again, Steve, I think brought this up in the chat that I haven't been going really full heel this year. Um, I don't know. Again, like it's hard for me to talk shit because I can see my team not doing well every week. And I think my pessimism is, you know, kar- karmically helping me a little this year. Um, I, if I'm going to talk shit to anyone, though, yeah, you know, I'm just going to keep piling on Kimber, <laughs> you know, because, God, that week sucked so fucking bad. And it's really depressing to see how bad Mike Williams and DJ Moore have come out here. Kimbert currently, I'm just looking at his roster right now. Kimbert has Zach Ertz as his flex. I don't know if we've had anyone start two tight ends. I can't even think of it. Like that is Kimbert need. You you, got to lay off the tight ends. You know, I, I, I am open to people uh, who love all things, but, like, you love tight ends far too much, and it's ridiculous, and it's going to keep you out of the playoffs. Kimbert, I'm shouting you out. Horrible, terrible. Uh, get get your head on straight. Get help. Poor Kimbert. Kimbert, you know, if you need a shoulder to cry on, I'm here for you, buddy. Kimbert's got ceases of shoulders that he can cry on. He's, <laughs> he's fine. There's no way Kimbert's body is resting on my shoulders. They will collapse. Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. I mean, just like just having Kimbert's. I think Kimbert's head alone just weighs more than the rest of your body. Uh, it's yeah, just Kimber- like full, just full of just all the muscles that I don't even know exist in my own body. If if they ever did a Filipino remake of Game of Thrones, which I think would be hilarious, Kimbo would definitely be the mountain. I could, uh, but we got to put him on stilts, though. The only problem with Kimber, he's a little, he's a little too short to be a mountain. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I, yeah, you get him, get him some platform shoes, and you know, watch him crush some skulls. I can get behind that. I would love to see Kimbert crush a man's skull, uh, although preferably not mine after all the shit that I just. Did. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we we've seen the the stickers or the the things in his car. He may he may just get you. I may have fucked with him, and I may be about to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, on on that uplifting note, Danny, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go here. Thanks for being game and coming on the podcast this week, and uh, worst of luck to you this week. Yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> so next week we'll be back here with another guest. Uh, recapping week 11's matchups and looking ahead to week 12. We're getting close to the playoffs, folks. Uh, Tony and Andre, it's your last chance to get on pretty soon. Because you know what happens if you don't come on the pod. You don't make the playoffs. So figure it out. But until that time, 
keep crying.